Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, hello, everyone from around the world, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Well, our big news for you, of course, is that we're back live to do our show today only for the second time this year. Our first time, our first show this year was on January 4th, six months already. We're so grateful that we can be here with you today and that you've all stayed with us through the first half of this year, even when we couldn't be here live in person. I can't tell you what an incredible relief it is for me that we are both back to speak live with you this fine July 5th day. Hope you had a good July 4th, by the way. For those of you in the U.S., from here on out, we plan to broadcast live every week at this time, as we have done for over five years until shortly after we rang in the new year in January and discovered that Michael was on death's doorstep once again. (laughs) (laughs) Yet it's been a very happy new year for us because not only is he still here with us, he's continuing to heal and become stronger and stronger. We wanted to thank our friends and production team at Voice America Talk Radio Network for keeping our weekly show going strong over the past six months by broadcasting encore episodes from our easily available listening archive of over 255 shows we've done in the past five years. Each encore episode was hand-picked for us by our executive producer and as well as the network director of Voice America, Sandra Rogers herself. So a very special thank you goes to her. And she'll continue to handpick the encore episodes that will be broadcast when Michael has to have his week of his medical treatments every six weeks at this stage to continue to support his amazing healing journey. And a special thank you to anyone else who had anything to do with uh, getting those encore episodes up. And thank you to Aaron and our own producer right now, Matt. With our return to being on air live today, we're launching our 21st brand new season of Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. That's a mouthful. (laughs) So we have a lot to celebrate because so many of you have been wanting to know much more about the challenges we've been navigating through over this past six months, we've decided to make our overall theme for this season, celebrating you and your life joyfully through its ups and downs. Over the course of the 13 new episodes that we broadcast live this season, we wanted to share with you not only what we experienced and continue to experience through the challenges of our wild new adventure and healing, but also how we approach and respond to all that we encounter in our day-to-day living. 
Although how Michael and I live the miracle of our soul lives every day, no matter what happens, is by no means the only way or even the right way. We thought many of you might benefit from hearing about it as you face similar circumstances in your life, and you will face similar circumstances at some point or another. We all do. We're not special in that way. At the very least, we hope you can have the assurance of adding a few more tools in your own Living the Miracle toolkit to help you celebrate your own life joyfully, especially when the going gets tough. And it does get going tough sometimes. To launch this new season with our show today, we're asking the question, what would you do if you had three weeks to live? Yes, that would wake you up first thing in the morning, wouldn't it? Especially after a noted oncologist has given you that as his prognosis for you. Well, that's the initial life expectancy Michael got from his doctor that he just met the day before, which was January 6th. If he didn't get immediate treatment for his completely unexpected diagnosis, which he just got that morning. Obviously, Michael made good choices that helped him far exceed that very first prognosis, as well as the second one of two to three months life expectancy if he had regular blood transfusions, but without other much more aggressive medical treatments. Now, we're enthusiastically looking at Michael sticking around in relatively good health, long enough to heal himself completely, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'd like to start at the beginning of what Michael likes to call our current new adventure in healing. All through the final month or two of 2022, I was starting to suspect that Michael was going through something on a physical level that was much more serious than just being extra tired a lot. Just to let you know, during our live broadcasting of the last two or three weeks of our show in 2022 and the first one of 2023 while we were on the air, Michael would suddenly almost collapse and have to lie down on the floor to regain his strength to continue with his part of the show. It was quite difficult for me, not only because I'm not the spontaneous talk show host that he is, but naturally I was extremely concerned about his well-being and whether I needed to call 911 or rush him to the ER myself. He assured me each time that he just needed to lie down for just a couple of minutes and would be fine to continue. And he always managed to do that. Yet I convinced him that he needed to call at one point our local functional medicine doctor we saw regularly to find out what might be happening with him. Fortunately, he did that right away and our doc ordered some immediate blood work. Within an hour or so after we returned from his blood draw in her office, she called with the results. The results were so far off that she couldn't believe that they could be right, knowing how otherwise healthy-looking Michael was at the time. So she told us to go get the same lab work done at an independent lab of our choice, and she called her order in to the lab to run them stat. That means fast, for those of you that don't know what that means. She called me right away when she got their exact same results and told me, get Michael to the ER right now. So for the next hour, we packed him up, gathered up all his information, including getting his lists of supplements and so on, something I learned from his previous experiences that we needed, 
and I drove us to the ER, which fortunately happens to be only a five-minute drive from our home. Yes, Spirit must have known to situate us in this newer home that we have when we started looking for one uh, two and a half years ago. Of course, this all happened on January 5th of this year. By the time we got to the ER, Michael asked me to go fetch a wheelchair to wheel him in since he didn't know how much longer he could stay standing or how far he could walk. Once I found a spare wheelchair, got him in it, and wheeled him into the large ER waiting room, there was only one chair not yet occupied that I could sit in and have Michael sitting in the wheelchair next to me. It was the post-holidays full house at the ER, as you can imagine. You know, January 5th and all that. There were lots of people coughing and sneezing and getting COVID tests in the hallway. It was something else. Fortunately, we only had to wait about two hours, and our exposure to any COVID didn't affect us, fortunately. To be called into an exam room, and Michael was conscious, patient, and communicative. It was well past 8 p.m. We got in there about 5.15 p.m. It was well past 8 p.m. at that point. Once the nurse got all his vitals and other information, one of the ER docs came in to interview him and check him out. After the doc did everything he needed to do on that level, he told us that we were going to most likely spend the night in that room where he would be given more blood tests and so forth. He was going to check Michael into the hospital where he could get the treatments he might need. Right after he left, a nurse came in with two literally (laughs) Costco-sized IV bags of blood. Sorry, I... uh, uh, Some of this is going to be a little graphic for a transfusion for Michael. Whoa, we spent the night there as predicted by the doctor because the transfusion itself took over six hours. Sometime later in the middle of the night, the ER doc came in to tell us that the board decided not to admit Michael into the hospital because he needed a much bigger and better equipped and staffed hospital which was the one in uh, main hospital in downtown Sacramento, which is the area where we live in California, about a half hour's drive away from us. He would be transported there in the morning via ambulance, all this drama. Yet all of this time, no one would tell us what Michael's diagnosis was other than they really didn't know yet. And the big bags of blood were because... They All they told us was Michael had hardly any in his veins, which I thought was very odd. Obviously, however, they knew he really needed a big blood transfusion right away. So we hung out for the remainder of the night in the ER room until the paramedics came with a gurney to wheel Michael away to the awaiting ambulance. Actually, before Michael was wheeled away, um, I ended up going home for a couple hours because I needed to feed our cats in the morning. And he was transported to the other hospital while I was getting ready to go be with him again. So I went home at 2.30 a.m. I didn't spend the entire night there, but I did give him a nice long healing during the time I was there, which I think might have helped him at least a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, kept me alive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, From that point on, you know, it's really interesting to listen to Raphael tell her side of the story, and, and she'll do more of that as we go along in this uh, uh, wild adventure. And uh, it's really amazing that back then, the beginning of January, 
I really didn't know if I was going to make it to my 70th birthday, which is coming up in a, what, a week or so? The 14th uh, of 14th. July. And uh, here I am. So <laughs> this already is a major miracle. But what happened at that point is, uh, see, I, I don't even remember that Raphael had gone home and I, I was at the ER uh, still getting blood. <laughs> they were truly like Costco size, uh, industrial strength blood. And I figured, I, I used to be a nurse way, way, way back in my teens, late teens. And uh, so I, I know a little bit about how things work. But I realized, oh, yeah, it wasn't that I didn't have enough blood. I didn't have enough blood cells. So, so I knew I must be severely anemic or something like that for them to give me that much blood, whole, whole blood. By the time you're 69, you've watched a, a lot of medical shows. So, As well. Yeah. <laughs> and generally, the, those blood transfusions are not Costco-sized, you know, IV bags. But anyway, so I'm, I'm, uh, I probably dozed in and out of sleep and everything during that time and but I can tell once morning came around, uh, I, I had a little more energy. And, and during that time, I'm really looking at, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And um, it's an interesting space. One of the things I, I thought about was, wow, here I've been through essentially seven near-death experiences, you know, the kind where your heart stops and then you go out and have your experience and come back. It's very sudden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, but this is so different. And what was different, this, this was the first inkling of, wait a minute, all this experience I've had of dying and then coming back is completely a different kind of experience than where I was, where I'm looking at, oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to make it. <laughs> and the way I felt is just like, okay, you know, I, I wasn't sure I was going to even make it through the next couple of days. And so uh, when I was looking at that, I thought, well, what, what is different about having died, actually, and coming back versus what I'm going through now? And what was different right from the beginning was, oh, yeah, all those times I had those near-death experiences, I died first. I, I didn't know I died, you know, on the physical end of things uh, because you're not here anymore. And when you're on the other side, death doesn't exist. So it's not like, oh, gee, I'm dead. <laughs> it's, it's just like this is. I'm here. I'm here. This is normal. This is great. And and then when I came back, it's always when I came back that, oh, I was dead. <laughs> At least on this side, I, I everybody considered I was dead. And I got resurrected. I resuscitated and I came back. So there's no, no experience of looking at dying, right? It's just, it happens first, and then you hear about it later. <laughs> and that 
that thought kind of gave me a, enough amusement of, uh, uh, you know, made me smile and laugh a little bit. I was saying, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. <laughs> and this is my first time I'm really looking at, okay, maybe this is it. I, I'm going to go. And so at that point, I'm, I'm starting to prepare. Okay, well, if it is my time to go, you know, I'm ready. I, I, I've, I have had a full life, incredible, you know, incredibly full life. I've, uh, yes, there's always that consideration of, of, well, if I lived longer, I could do more. And I could be of much more service than I've been already, but I already knew. That's true. It's true if I live to 200 years old, you know, or whatever. It's a never-ending story. Never, yeah, it's a never-ending <laughs> story. You could always do more. And so then I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, but am I done? And every which way I looked at it, I said, I'm done. I, I, I've done plenty. <laughs> and I've already known that for years that I'm done. It's everything I do here now. It, it's just been extra, and uh, which has been great. And so I'm perfectly willing to do more, but I didn't have to. So I, I was really pretty much at peace with that part of the looking at the possibility or at that point the high high probability that I wasn't going to last too much longer over here so that's the state of mind I was in at that point and then um, morning comes and about I think it was on 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or something the paramedics come in to gurney me into the ambulance and uh whisk me away well it wasn't quite that smooth <laughs> it's just, first i get into the ambulance and they start to kind of interrogate me <laughs> all over again of uh, i can't remember all the different questions but we s sat there in the or i i was lying there in the back of the ambulance i don't know for 20 minutes where they're checking all my vitals again and they're asking me all these different questions. And, and uh, I can tell some of it was uh, because I've, I've been on the other side in the ambulance as a, as a nurse before. And uh, uh, some of it was to assess my state of mind and consciousness level, you know, and everything. So I, I, cooperated fully and answered all the questions to my best ability and and I can tell they're looking at, at me and one of the paramedics <laughs> the lead paramedic was sick <laughs> he's sniffling and coughing and and I'm going holy moly it was the ER waiting room all over again I right? know I'm saying <laughs> but this is in very close quarters and everything and fortunately, he had a mask on, but uh, I'm going, okay, uh, this will be interesting. So I, that's, that was my main concern right there. But then he, he uh, went through and asked the, uh, the questions, and I answered them. And I thought, you know, and, and I can tell both of them are looking at me, oh, this guy is just a transport. He, he's not that seriously 
sick because he doesn't look that bad. <laughs> and he's very coherent and everything. And uh, I wanted to tell him, looks are dece deceiving. All right. Well, this is the time when we make uh, a few announcements before the break. And we're just about at our first break and wanted to let you know that, by the way, uh, I'm going to interrupt myself. Michael will finish his story um, as we get back on. Uh, but anyway, we wanted to let you know that since we cut back a whole lot on Michael's usual workload, as well as all of our travels and in-person events, Michael's been able to work on several important online projects with our new online media creator and expert, and we're starting to launch a couple of them. One of these new platforms is our new learning sanctuary for the soul site, livingthemiracle.com. No, it's www.livethemiracle.com. Not living, but livethemiracle.com. It's not yet fully live, but nevertheless accessible to everyone to take a peek and see what's coming. We'll go live with our main psychic tools and life mastery practices for living your soul purpose, six-level comprehensive self-study audio course, in our ongoing audio self-study series. You might be more psychic than you think. Both open to everyone, then we'll continue to add all of our mastered audio seminars, classes, retreats, and courses over time to make this site a complete audio, video, and text self-study learning campus for your spiritual and psychic growth, healing, and development. We're really excited about this. It will in time house pretty much all of our teachings that have been recorded and produced available for purchasing and downloading or studying online. Just before our second break, we'll tell you more about some of our online projects in development as well. We'll be right back to continue with what would you do if you had three weeks to live? We'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at MichaelTamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational incredible information one of the best books i've ever read inspirational a must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose that's what readers around the world are saying about you are the answer the award-winning book by michael j tomorrow beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary order your copy now at amazon.com Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. 
Now back to Living the Miracle. Well, of course, it's great to have you back. Our topic of exploration today has been, what would you do if you had three weeks to live? We're sharing with you the experience that we've had on our new life-changing adventure and how you, too, can joyfully live the miracle every day through all the ups and downs of life in this crazy, crazy world. (laughs) So let's continue. Michael was telling you the story, and at this point in in his story, he was in the back of the ambulance being interrogated (laughs) by a sick guy. So go for it, Michael. Yeah, this is... You know, this is kind of par for the course for us is is here when when you're going through something very serious and and uh, uh, and you're really looking at, you know, whether you're going to hang around for a few days or, or longer. And uh, and then you're confronted with <laughs> Not the ideal situation. <laughs> uh, and and this is part of living the miracle. This is part of being joyful uh, no matter what happens in your in your life and being able to go, okay, you can't take it that seriously. Life isn't meant to be serious. It's meant to be celebrated. And so regardless of the situations and the conditions and the circumstances that you face in in your life. So I'm in the back of this ambulance and I'm kind of entertaining myself with all all the things, oh my goodness, all the things that can go wrong in this (laughs) situation. But I figured, yeah, well, they're professionals and, you know, they're going to, they're going to do all right. And so then I'm thinking too of the, the last thing I would have thought of at that moment was that I had some sort of cancer even. But uh, uh, I wasn't thinking about that at all. I'm just going, God, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my time and I'm just going to die. Croak. Yeah. <laughs> From <laughs> unknown causes or whatever. We and, can joke about it now. Huh? Yeah. And so that's that's kind of the you know what I was going through in my mind. And then they finally finished interrogating me and were taking off. And um, so during the whole trip, uh, occasionally one of them will check my vitals and everything, I guess, to make sure I was still alive. And uh, But they're, the two of them have their banter going on, which wasn't very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking for a little entertainment, you know, and, and uh, it wasn't forthcoming. So I just entertained myself in terms of, all right, well, let's see what we find out when we get to the hospital and everything. And um, then we arrive at the hospital. We're at the emergency entrance of the hospital. And that's when I learned, oh, yeah. If you come by ambulance, they have to take you through the emergency ward and then to whatever, wherever you're going to end up. So uh, we go through the emergency and they sign something or whatever on the way. And the two guys are talking to each other and reading their charts or instructions. And one of them says to the other, yeah, uh, we got to take him to the fourth floor. But during this whole time, nobody tells me anything anything yeah. about 
you know, what I'm going through, what's what's happening, where I'm headed to, except, you know, you're going to the hospital. And, uh, okay, fourth floor. I don't know what's in that hospital's fourth floor. So I'm waiting. And, and of course, I'm lying uh, face up on, on a gurney. So my viewpoint is very, you know, the ceiling <laughs> and the walls and stuff of that nature. And so we get off on the fourth floor elevator and they're running me through the hallway. And we're coming to these double doors uh, we turned the corner and go- coming through, obviously, we're going to go through these big double doors. And I look up at that point, and uh, it's a big sign above the doors saying oncology. And I go, oncology, that's cancer. <laughs> that's the cancer ward. And I go, cancer, do I have cancer? Or do they suspect I have cancer? And so I'm, that's the first inclination that I had, first inkling that I had that it might be cancer. And I thought, boy, that's so strange because that's one illness that I didn't think I was ever going to have. It doesn't run in my family on either side. You know, it's just like not in my awareness. And I've worked with a lot of people who had cancer as, as a healer. And so I learned a lot about cancer of all kinds, but and in all that time, uh, I only work with uh, maybe one or two people with a s- certain kind of cancer that I'll talk about. But also, you know, it's a funny thing that the mind does is I'm going through and I go, well, it's a big hospital. Maybe they're, they have to take <laughs> me through the cancer ward to get me to the, somewhere you know, else. somewhere else, you know, like <laughs> pediatrics or something. <laughs> uh, and so, so I'm kind of entertaining myself by having those kinds of thoughts. And, but now we go through a, a new, new set of double doors. And uh, this one, I, I thought, oh, so, so we're just passing through the oncology ward. We're going somewhere else. And I look up again. And there's a big sign that says uh, uh, BMT. And of course, the first thing I think of is BLT, <laughs> bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. I didn't have anything except for blood transfusion. So I think I was a little hungry at that point, and, and, which is a good sign, right? And so we go through this thing. I have no idea what BMT stands for. And... Uh, as soon as we get through this, it looks like, whoa, the energy of that ward was so completely different than anything else we've rolled through in the hospital. It's like a completely different energy and different feeling, different look. It looks sparkling clean and um, going, okay. And then immediately they turn into the first door uh, first room, and it's a private room. And uh, of course, my first thought is, "Whoa, I get a private room," <laughs> because I don't know what I expected. But I, I thought I was going to be put into a room with a bunch of other patients. But no, this is a completely private room, almost like sealed off. And uh, I thought, and very clean, small room, but, you know, it was nice. And it's got a window, view of kind of like the parking lot of (laughs) 
in downtown Sacramento or something, but it, it had a view <laughs> to the outside world. So I'm going, wow, this is this is pretty classy as far as my expectations were concerned. And uh, they dropped me off there, signed some papers and whatnot, and you know, nobody says anything. It's it's amazing. The the two paramedics are talking to each other the whole time and and hello, you know. <laughs> Could you tell me anything? So I thought, okay. And I thought, is this some kind of a specialty ward? Uh leprosy or what <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm kinda still entertaining myself while waiting for some kind of a news of what's going on with me. And uh, I get settled into the bed, and I'm just relaxing, close my eyes. And then soon enough, the room fills up with a, several nurses and, and orderlies or somebody. I'm not sure who they were. But they're all, oh, they're finishing up the staff meeting and uh, changing of the shifts or whatever. And a, a one of the women steps forward, or no, no, the, the first one was a man that steps forward and says, oh, I'm so-and-so, and I'm going to be your nurse uh, for the day. And I said, oh, great, nice to meet you, really nice guy. Uh, we hit it off right, at, right from the beginning, so I thought that's a good sign. And uh, he was very communicative. And, and um, I'm thinking, oh, thank God, uh, somebody who, who actually can communicate with me. And... I asked him, you know, is anything you can tell me about my condition or anything? And he says, no, the doctor will be here uh, in about an hour, and so he will be the one to tell you whatever. Okay. Well, the doctor shows up, and, and of course, this is a doctor I don't know. I've never met this man before, but I instantly like him. I mean, I liked his energy. He was bright. He was very bright. And the part that I liked about the most about this particular doctor, uh, he seemed, uh, what, Middle Eastern somehow, like Persian or something. And, uh, uh, but his energy, he had the energy of the Christ all around him. The Christ force energy was all around the outer part of his aura. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And of course, I thought, yeah, there's there's a lot of Persian people that I've known who were uh, devout Christians, but this was different than than just people who who went to a Christian church. Uh, this was someone on a soul level who knew the Christ, and um, at least was living part of their life according to the Christ's teachings from way back when. So I, I immediately liked this guy, and I thought, oh, this is all divinely arranged. I don't know who this doctor is, what kind of a doctor he is, or how you know respected he is as a doctor or whatever, but two things I knew right away. Ah, he's on the right wavelength, and also, I knew he was incredibly smart. Uh, I, I can tell he was like genius or near genius level intelligence. And, and that's a good thing for a medical doctor, right? Well, he 
quickly introduces himself and he talks really fast and sometimes at first until you get to learn his accent it's it's a little bit hard to understand but he had pretty clear pictures which was to me a great advantage because i could read his pictures and understand what he's saying even though his f- words were very few and um so i did that and and i got the gist of oh he's got something to do with blood disease and he seems to be an oncologist so here we are in oncology and um so then uh he goes this is kind of the introduction he goes oh well uh we know you have leukemia <laughs> no hedging the words and i go well thank you <laughs> you know for finally somebody's letting me know what my diagnosis is He says, there's no question you have leukemia. Oh, okay. So we're not suspecting multiple things or anything. We just flat out, it's leukemia. He says, what we don't know yet until we do more tests is exactly what kind of leukemia you have. And he said, we won't know that until tomorrow morning. I said, okay. So at least I know I am in the oncology ward and... It's certain that I have some kind of a form of leukemia. And I don't know that much about leukemia, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a start. <laughs> so then I'm thinking, okay, well, it's just uh, overnight. And, and uh, soon after that, Raphael arrives. And, and so, I, I mean, I was so happy to see her. <laughs> It's like, oh, a ray of sunshine, a ray of hope. And uh, uh, so that was kind of the beginning of my time at the hospital itself. And then after that becomes, you know, routine stuff of checking everything. and and uh, Much more to tell in the story, of course. But we're coming upon our second break. And we wanted to let you know about other online projects we have in development besides our new Soon to be launched, LiveTheMiracle.com Learning Sanctuary for the Soul Site. In addition, we're getting close to going live with our new Patreon site, through which you will be able to help support us to keep offering you this weekly and archival radio show. In addition, Michael's newly redesigned and improved official YouTube channel is operational and will continue to upload new material over time on that site as well. We have a new simple link tree page that will allow you to access all of our various online presence from our main website, michaeltamora.com, to our Learning Sanctuary YouTube channel and Patreon to all of our social media sites, Living the Miracle radio show host page and media player for live broadcasts, as well as for listening to archived past episodes, along with all major podcast platforms like Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc., etc., that carry all of our episodes accessible with a simple click. We'll let you know more as we progress on our various online projects. We'll be back in a flash, and we'll continue with What Would You Do If You Had Three Weeks to Live? Voice 
America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow. Beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back. We've been sharing with you how we've been answering the initial question, what would you do if you had three weeks to live? And what has transpired so far in our lives as we've been going through major life-altering changes. So let's see what else we can learn from that. First off, I wanted to talk about, you know, how we're laughing about all of this now. It wasn't a laughing matter as we were going through it, but still one of the amazing things. I've been with Michael for going on 36 years. Uh, It'll be our 32nd anniversary in just a couple weeks. Um, as as a married couple, and one of the things that we've learned how to do is, for as much as we can, is to laugh through some of these, even when it hurts. And it hurts in a lot of ways when a person goes in the hospital. Not only, you know, it's my partner that may or may not make it, and, um, hey, this is serious stuff. But uh, Keeping spirit in the picture, for instance, when I was giving Michael a healing during his night in the ER until I got so tired I had to go get some sleep myself, his little ER room uh, that he was put into, which was kind of a semi-private room, there weren't anybody, there uh, wasn't anybody else in it besides him, but um, people were coming and going and walking through the room quite a bit. <laughs> um, it was filled with angels and filled with support and filled with love and we had only i had only called one person before i took michael to the er um and that was about what i was about to go through on a whole nother level besides having my husband uh become critically ill and this is something many of you go through um i am sure (laughs) because in some ways, our hospital systems and our in, uh, health insurance systems are kind of broken. So uh, back in December or so, we got a notice from Michael's, from our insurance company, 
um, <laughs> that, oh, by the way, it was a grandfathered in, which means really, really old health insurance. Uh, they were closing it out at the end of December. And if I didn't get new insurance, we wouldn't be with insurance in January. Well, that piece of paper that had that announcement in it ended up on the bottom of a stack. And it wasn't until January 3rd that I remembered that it was there two days before he went into the hospital. And I pulled it out and I went, you know, the initial reaction to something like that, I called the insurance company and to my horror, they would not uh, give me January as coverage. It was going to start in February. So uh, I remember going to Michael saying, you can't get sick and go to the hospital in January. You just cannot. And of course, two days later, uh, I was driving him to the hospital. So I had called a friend um, because to me, taking care of finances is an important part of what I do in our business and in our personal lives. And it's something you have to think about when you're thinking about hospitals. And um, that friend assured me that, um, yes, if you can't get coverage, that uh, I will help you. And for me, that was one of the biggest reliefs because she's an angel. And um, I can't really thank her enough, of course. I know she's listening to the show today, and I just want to send that thank you out to her. However, I just also want to mention that I didn't assume that anyone would be able to save us. So during the time that uh, Michael was in the hospital for those many days, I did a lot of praying and talking to God and turning all of the troubles I had over to the Holy Spirit just and gaining trust that somehow this part was going to be taken care of. And not only did this friend take care of uh, a major part of what happened in January, but other people stepped forward and other people and other people. And many of you I haven't even had a chance to send thank you cards to because we're still incredibly busy catching up with things. But thank you all with all my heart for helping us through a part which might have caused us to lose our house and have to move during Michael's incredible physical challenge. So Spirit didn't see fit to just have Michael be challenged this month, but myself as well, not only as the spouse who loves him dearly, but as the person who takes care of the business. And um, it, to me, this is living the miracle. It really is. All of you helped us out such a great deal. And I know some of you who have been sending us checks in the mail um, are out there listening, and I want to say hello to all of you as well. So uh, this is one of the parts I wanted to talk about. And um, also, the other part I'm calling it the storms and in insurance, because insurance can be a storm. And then when Michael was taken down to the downtown hospital, it started exactly seven days of horrific, horrible, dramatic electric storms that not only did I have to drive in back and forth to the hospital, very dangerous, but who offered lightning strikes right outside the bedroom window while I was at home sleeping at night between each of my visits to him. So I'm going to turn this back over to Michael to continue his part of this. Yes, it gives a whole new meaning to uh, living in a perfect storm <laughs> oh, boy. of, you know, financial collapse is one of the things we were looking at and, and uh, which, you know, is like a cascading avalanche, a domino effect because, oh yeah, if, if we don't have enough 
financial coverage for all the incredible medical expenses I was incurring by the minute, we're going to have to sell the house, which means just just to pay bills and, and move and, and uh, maybe rent a place or whatever, which meant another move, which meant packing. <laughs> and I'm going, you know what? I don't think I'm in any shape to even supervise the packing. To no, that's something <laughs> I was taking care of if it was going to happen. Yeah. So that and so here I am. You know, Raphael talked about her side a little bit, and and we will continue this in our uh, shows coming up in the following weeks because it's it's a long story that's still continuing, and we wanted to take all of you on a ride through some of its, you know, history now of how we got to where we are today to be even able to be on this show live, uh, for me to be live anywhere, (laughs) 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 but, but, uh, uh, it's the part of the healing process and the spiritual growing process that isn't talked about a lot which is for not just couples, spouses, but but people, you know, everyone has some kind of relationship where they, whether it's a, uh, taking care of an elderly uh, family member, you know, parents or grandparents or something, or uh, taking care of children, siblings, all kinds of things. Uh, there's the relationship dynamic of uh, sometimes you're you're gonna willingly do that, but other times you go, oh, not that not that particular sibling <laughs> or not that particular parent or whatever. Yet it could be you're the only one available. You're the only one who can do that type of a thing. So so uh, uh, we wanted to take you with us on on many of those most, kind of challenging aspects of this whole journey. And uh, uh, I'm really glad that Raphael brought in this bit about the, the medical insurance fiasco that we were uh, going to, especially she was going through, but I'm hearing about it. And, and of course, my side, you know, here's the love of my life, just, just having to go through incredible uh, pressure and stress and how looking at, okay, uh, on one side, looking at whether I'm going to stick around to be any part of any of that, whether it goes up or down, you know, is she going to have a partner who at least could laugh at her or something, (laughs) even if he couldn't lift a finger, but he's, she's also looking at, well, She's got to do this one way or the other, regardless of what happens to me. And uh, and she's also looking at the situation of, okay, how is this going to impact Michael and his decisions he's going to make? So she kept on telling me, you know, I'm going to deal with this uh, financial end of it. I don't want you to even think about it. Eh, easy to say, <laughs> but I'm going to be thinking about it. And uh, that came into part of my initial decision-making process because, as I mentioned before, even from the ER, before I knew I had leukemia and before I 
new what kind of leukemia, I'm looking at a very good possibility that I'm not going to make it for very long. It's just like, okay, you know, some leukemias, uh, some cancers, once you get the diagnosis, it might not last a, a week or two. Others, maybe a few months. Others, well, most cancers are looked at in terms of life expectancy. It's not looked at as a, a cure. It's looked at as uh, survival. Uh, survival maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Per, per percentage of chance of survival for more than five years. Well, uh, we'll, we'll put it to the next part, but... Uh, Let's see, is this the final? Yeah. So we'll have to continue that part of the story. Leave uh, you on the edge of your seat. <laughs> yeah, the next next week's uh, uh, episode. But uh, just to give you a little teaser, uh, the next morning after I had my uh, biopsy, bone marrow, aspiration biopsy and the whole bit, the doctor comes back 7 o'clock the next morning on his rounds and says, oh, by the way, you have AML. And then he goes on to, you know, other things. And I said, wait a minute, AML, that's the type of leukemia, right? And, and acute myeloid leukemia. And I said, isn't that considered the most aggressive form of leukemia that you can have? And he says, yes, correct. <laughs> I'm going, okay, that, that, just, that just tops it off here. I'm still kind of looking at, you know, how did I end up with cancer of any kind? And then on top of which, more, uh, more difficult to, to comprehend was the leukemia part. And now I don't just have any old leukemia, you know, some of which now they're... The, it cures for. Yeah, cures for remission is really fast. No, this one is the most aggressive form that, that you could die within days. <laughs> and the first life expectancy he gave me, he says, well... You can't go home and, you know, seek palliative care. And I said, like, hospice? And he says, well, not, it's pre-hospice, but, you know, it's just making it easier for you, more comfortable for the time remaining. And I said, what time remaining? Oh, uh, two to three weeks at tops. <laughs> so that's where I'll leave you today, but uh, that's where we started. And so what do you do when you find out you have three weeks to live? You cry about it, you laugh about it, and then you do something about it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about more about that next week. And again, thank you to all of you who have helped us come through this, and we do still have our house. Well, we're just about at the end of our show today. We're glad and grateful that you joined us for this episode. And we hope that it offered you much inspiration and insight on how you can live more of the miracle of your soul life joyfully every day. Be sure to join us next Wednesday as we continue to explore the overall theme for this new season, celebrating your life joyfully through its ups and downs. Through more of our sharing with you of our more recent challenges and how we've been navigating through our new adventures in healing and living. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm. 
we appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.